Blog Talk Radio. Let's take our songbook and let's turn to number one. Number one, my Savior's love for me, number one. That'll be easy to find, amen? Number one. I still have made in the Amen. Well, I'm thankful for Jesus. 
I'm sure thankful for how he loves me. I think sometimes, and I know you probably do too, I don't know how he can love me. I failed him so many times. Well, when you fall down, don't you just wonder how in the world could he still love me? But he don't ever change. Amen? He never changes. Praise God. He'll love you, and he'll keep loving you. Amen? His love's eternal. Hallelujah. It's good to be in church with you this morning. Amen. I hope you've had a good week. I hope the Lord's been blessing you. And uh, are we having any prayer requests this morning? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. Sure will. Right, Miss Nail's foot too. How's yours doing, sister? About the same. All right. Amen. Don't give up over here, are we? That's right. Anybody else? Prayer request this morning. Okay. All right. Aubrey mentioned to me a minute ago that you lost your grandmother yesterday, you said, right? Yes, sir. Y'all lift, lift him and his family up in prayer. Um, anybody else? Yes, sir. Okay. for Shirley. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, remember Scott in prayer? I heard Scott had, had a good doctor's visit. You hadn't talked to him? Well, what I read, he had a good doctor's visit. It seemed like he was getting some help. So, just saying, I'll tell you, I know it's in the last, in, I mean, with Dan, Dan doing as well as he's doing, just seeing God just answering prayers, and I'm just excited to see God answering prayers. And I mentioned the other day, we really need to be praying for, for God to, to to get saving souls, for God to, to grow our church, for God to work through us and use us to reach out and, and touch people's lives for Christ's sake, because God's working. And we need to he needs to be working in, in the spiritual areas, too, not just in the healing areas. We need to be praying about those things for God to, to uh, be doing a great work amongst us, because he can. Amen. There's no limiting God. Amen. Can I get an agreement on that? Amen. God can. It's just we have, we have to join him in the work. Amen. And if we'll do that, God will do great things, and uh, he'll work in us and through us. Um, I've probably got several that need prayer, but God knows who they are. And uh, and I know, I mean, you've got unspoken on your heart. All right. Say all them hands. There's a bunch of us, amen. God knows what those things are. So let's take them to him. Let's lift them up to him. Let's pray for those who aren't here this morning. Ask God to work in their lives and straighten things out and get them back here with us. And uh, let's just pray for a good day in the house of the Lord, amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer this morning. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> Good morning, bro. I remember you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Good to see you this morning. Sir, praise the Lord. Glad you're here. 
Without him, amen. 
take your Bible this morning. I want you to turn with me to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 1 this morning. And we're going to, I don't really know what the title to put on this message. I thought about calling it The Real Deal, The Real McCoy. Uh, I don't really know the definite article. We can call it all different kinds of things, but uh, it all means the same. Amen. He is, Jesus Christ is the Lord. That's really what it comes down to. Amen. Jesus Christ is the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me find it in my Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll read, we'll be down going through the first 11 verses this morning. I'm going to read those verses and we'll get into the message this morning. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. But there and there are different diversities of operations, but all is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the same and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I come before you throne this morning and, and I need you, Lord. I can't do this without you. I need you all the way. Lord God, I I, I just uh Lord, I just rely on your power. And Lord, as we come to the Word of God, we want to be careful that we that we read it right, we understand it right, and we preach it right. So we need the power of God. We need the Spirit of God to touch us and fill us and speak through us and use us this morning. And Lord God, the people in the pews, they need it the same. They need the Spirit of God to work inside them, to open their understanding, to allow them to receive the Word of God. Lord, you know what they need from the message that I don't even know. Lord, you know exactly what they need. You know exactly the issues in their lives, the deficits in their lives, Father, the challenges they're facing. Lord God, you have the medicine here in the Word to apply to the Word. Father God, I pray the Spirit of God would do that. Thank you. Do what we can't do. Work in the lives of your people. Speak to the hearts. Speak to those who are listening in this morning through Facebook, Blog Talk Radio. Lord God, whatever way they've got a hold of us, Father, I pray that you get a hold of them and deal with them today. Give them your, your, your message, Lord, and we'll give you praise and glory. We'll thank you for all of it in advance because we know you'll work in our midst. And, Lord, we ask you to work now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, it's good to be in church with you this morning. Amen. Good to see all of you here this morning. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 12. Seems like we just started First Corinthians the other day to me, but and we've 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 gone a lot further. Actually, I thought that we would go at this time, but uh, anyway, let's get into it. And uh, Paul's kind of he's kind of transitioning through this, 
We've gotten away from fornication, but we're still on idolatry here. We, he's still touching on idolatry. And uh, so let's look right into it. First, uh, first verse here, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, so that's our subject this morning, spiritual gifts, brethren, so he's speaking to the church, and he said, I would not have you ignorant. Now he said that just a couple messages ago, didn't he? He said, I will not have you ignorant about, he's talking about the children of Israel. He talked about the examples of the children of Israel. Uh, he, and, and he would not have us be ignorant about fornication and, 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 and about idolatry. So he doesn't want them ignorant concerning spiritual gifts either. So I want us to, to, to note that there are nine spiritual gifts listed in this chapter. And I think it's also, it's not ironic, it's, 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 it's actually, it makes sense that there are also nine fruits of the Spirit, okay? There are nine spiritual gifts here, nine fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit, y'all know, I'll just remind you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, and meekness. And the Bible says against such there is no law. So, again, we're going to look at these nine spiritual gifts this morning a little bit, not a lot. We'll get into that further. We go into the into the book of 1 Corinthians, but spiritual gifts, their gifts or abilities that only God gives to the Christian, okay? They're not, they're not something you're doing with, well, I have a natural talent for this. God may take the natural talent that you have, and God may give you but spiritual gift is not a natural talent that you have. It's something above and beyond that, Okay? Now, I do want to say this about these nine gifts. Some of these things that are mentioned here are apostolic signs and wonders, which are no longer around today. Some of these things God has phased out over time, and we'll, we'll look at that and talk about that. But believing that, believing that these things have phased out with the apostles, that makes me what's known as a secessionist. If you've ever heard anything about called a secessionist. That means I believe that in a period, in a, over the period of time, and I'll give you the reason in a minute, that some of these gifts came to an end. There was no need for them anymore. But we'll look at that as we go. But Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. He doesn't want us, isn't that something? Paul don't want us to walk around ignorant. Amen? He wants us to be educated. Amen? There are a number of times in the Pauline epistles where the, the Apostle Paul mentions that he doesn't want the church to be ignorant. And in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25, Paul said, For I would not, brethren, or I, it's not my desire, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is, in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And what he was talking about there is a simple fact that even though God has taken his hand off of Israel, even though now salvation was coming primarily to the Gentiles, that God was not done with that piece of land over there in the Middle East, and that someday God is going to, and he already has. God has, beginning in 1948, God has reclaimed the land for Israel, and, and the Jews came back, and, and we're, we're heading quickly to the time of tribulation when God is going to, again, turn his attention to the Jews and the Gentiles, the church will be raptured out of here, and the Gentiles, Gentiles will be gone, so the Jews primarily will become God's primary focus again, and God will turn them their hearts back to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, that's the ignorance 
that he didn't want them to be ignorant of that. And that was, again, that's one of the places where he talked about it. And then another one is in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, where he said, but I would not have you to be ignorant. So don't be ignorant of the fact that Paul did not want you to be ignorant. Amen? He said, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that means those who went ahead and died, or already died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And you know it goes on. He goes on to tell about that the Lord is going to catch us away, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and they which are alive remain shall be, shall be changed in a moment, and twit them and I, and be caught together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. All right? So, uh, I'm sure I'm saying that with me. <laughs> but Christ is coming back after his church. Amen? And so he doesn't want us to be ignorant of that fact. Well, if you're ignorant of that fact, you get pretty pretty in the dumps down here. You think, man, this is all there is? Good night. we got to look forward to more crazy presidents and crazy administrations and, and more sin and wickedness. And this looks like hell is vomiting upon the face of the earth. And that's all we got to look forward to? No. Heavens, no, we got Christ coming back. We ought to be excited. We ought to be looking for his coming. The Bible tells us to be looking up, be ready, be expecting him. But, you know, Paul's not the only one that doesn't want us to be ignorant. Even Peter. Even Peter gets on, in on the warning, a warning us not to be ignorant. In Second Peter he does, in chapter 3 and verse 8. Peter says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, the reason that, and I don't have to blow your mind, but let me tell you what that means. God exists, and I told you this before, but God exists not in this realm called time that we're in. And the reason why God doesn't exist inside the realm called time is because God created time. There was no time before God created it. You know, he, he, called, the, he called the first day day and the, and the first night night. He created that. He made all of that. He, he made the sun. He made the moon. He, he made the earth. He made, he made everything. He made the stars. He made it all. And uh, it's his creation. And he reaches into it, and he deals with man in it, and he, he and was, and he's everywhere. He's omnipresent, so yes, he is inside his creation and outside his creation, but he's not limited by a watch or a clock. The Bible says that a day with the Lord is his... I got that backwards. So that, what does that tell you? That just tells you God. Time don't mean much to God. It doesn't limit him. It doesn't hinder him. And, and, and God, and he wants us to know that. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of that fact, okay? He doesn't want us to think that he's on the same kind of schedule that we are. And, and the reason that that's important is, see, God's not running out of time. We are. I mean, all you got to do is look in the mirror. Look at your hair. Look at your wrinkles. Look at, your, look, look, look at what time has done to you, and you'll see we're running out of it. And eventually we're going to run out completely, and it'll be, we'll be with him. But these mortal lives, they have expiration dates, but God doesn't have one. He never does. So when you have Paul and you have Peter, too, they're stressing the believers that, that they didn't want them to be ignorant. That tells me that we shouldn't be ignorant. You know what that tells me? That tells me that everybody in here should be knowledgeable. Because that's the opposite of ignorance, isn't it? It's knowledge. So God wants us to be knowledgeable. Because you know, you know why? You know that's important. Because a believer that's ignorant is an easy target for the enemy. You know, in Hosea chapter four and verse six, I believe it is, the Bible says, "My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge." 
the enemy takes advantage of us because we don't know what to be warned about. There's also another verse over in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, which says, where there is no vision, the people perish. What's that? What? What's that? What does that have to do with knowledge? Well, when you have knowledge, then you have vision. When you know, you know where you're going. When you know, you know what you're doing. So you have vision of what you to be doing. And when you don't, you're ignorant, and you're gonna you're gonna perish because of your ignorance. And God doesn't want that to happen. So what am I saying? I'm saying that every believer, that's every single person in here that's been saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, should have knowledge of God's will for their life. Amen, preacher. That's right. Every person in here that's washed in the blood, every person watching through this screen on Facebook, every person listening to me on Blog Talk Radio, if you're out there and you're saved, you should know God's will for your life. You should have that knowledge. You say, well, where did I get that knowledge yet, preacher? God's Word. God's Word. You get in God's Word and you study God's Word, you read God's Word, God will speak to you from His Word. Did you know that's how God speaks? That's the only way God speaks to us. God could have, God could have hired, uh, God, God could have employed skywriters on airplanes if He wanted to, and He could have given us, we could wake up in the morning, walk out, look up the sky, and have to work and do everything we're going to do today. But that's not how God chose to do it. God could have, God could have had it roll over the sand, but that ain't how God chose to do it. God put it in His Word. And so he wants us to read it and study it and know it so that we have, we have knowledge of his will for our lives so we are able to be a success for him. So every believer should be studying the Word of God. How long has it been since you studied the Word of God? I don't mean read it occasionally. I'm talking about how long has it been since you said, I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going to study it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get serious about reading it. I'm going to get to know my God deeper than I ever have before. I mean, I, I just, I just wonder how how long has it been since we've really studied the Bible. You don't have to be smart to understand the Bible. A lot of people use that as their reason. They say, well, I just, I just don't know. I some, I'm some of them words in there just so hard to understand. It's called get yourself a dictionary. It's that simple. So I don't understand any more hard work. Look, you've got to, every, I ain't got my phone right there. Look, every single one of us has the ability to type in a hard word and go, hmm, that's what that means. And remember that when we read our Bible. Again, you know, I, there's a verse in there that talks about uh, we won't prevent those which are asleep. You know, the first time I read it, I went, what does that mean? And then I looked it up, and I realized that prevent means go before. Okay? So that, I understand that now. So when I read that, my mind says go before when I read prevent. So it's not that hard. And, and again, the Bible tells us that uh, somebody that's not very smart can, can understand the Bible. It tells us that in Proverbs 1, verse 4, the first time we studied Proverbs, it says to give subtlety to the simple. That means to make a dumb fellow smart. Or to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A young man. Listen, I just got through, I was visiting with, I was visiting with Blake and Aubrey and Brianna in the office, and I thought, well, Blake, you know what? Blake's got a good head on his shoulder. I'm going to brag on Blake. Blake seemed like a kid got it all together, and I don't want to swell your head up too much, Blake. But you seem like, you seem smart, and you seem like you got it together for your age. I won't brag on you, okay? 
There's lots of people that dumb as a box of rocks and they're dumb on purpose because they don't want to, they don't want to learn. They just soon they just soon go go through life with blinders on. I mean, but God doesn't want you to be that way. God wants you to God wants you to use the brain He put in your head. He wants you to He, he wants you to use it not to not to get to know this world with, with a fury, but to get to know Him with a fury. I mean, chase after Him, yearn to know Him. And again. He made he made he made it so that even even those who don't have smarts, even those who ain't got a head on their shoulders like Blake, they can still learn. Amen. My kids, amen. Some of them were so hard headed. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't drive stuff in their head with a a twelve pound sledge. I mean, they just wouldn't go there and they didn't to. But you know what? Even 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 they gained some knowledge from the work of God. Amen. Because they applied their heart to it. And the Bible says, Bible says to us in Proverbs 1, 122, it says, How long, ye simple ones, that means you that don't know much, will you love simplicity? How long are you going to love sitting there reading comic books instead of getting your Bible out? How long you, and let me just say this. I'm going to make somebody mad this morning, but if I think you'll get over it. How many of you start reading about Jesus who's greater than all of them? I tell you, I mean, we ain't got a bunch of teenagers in this church, but I tell you right now, there's a bunch of teenagers and some folks in their twenties who need to grow up and leave superheroes behind. That stuff. Can I say this to you? This is not what I came to preach on, but that gets under my skin so bad. Superheroes. You know what that really is? That you know, back at, back during the back during Rome's heyday and Greeks' heyday, they had mythological gods. Do you know that was just their superheroes? Basically. They, you know, and I can prove it to you. I, this, I didn't come preach on this, but God just laid this on my heart right now, so I'm going to see it. Okay? What do people do to worship? Because, see, you say, oh, they worship them things back then, but people spend their money on superhero gear. They got superhero everything. Got stickers on the card, necklaces around their neck, wear the shirts everywhere they go. If that ain't worship, I don't know what it is. Just going to say it. You can take it for what it's worth, but I'm going to move on. Uh, but, again, he says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. And if I'm being absolutely honest with you, intelligence has very little to do with reading and understanding the Bible. Intel- Let me say that again so you hear what I'm saying. Intelligence has very little to do with reading and understanding the Bible. So how is that so, preacher? That don't make no sense. There are men and women all over this country with multiple PhDs. I mean, degrees from Harvard, Yale, and Brown, and, and Oberlin, and the biggest, the finest uh, universities in this country, and they are blind as a bat to the truths of God. They'll look at you and say, well, that's just a bunch of fairy tales. They can't believe it. So intelligence ain't got a whole lot to do with reading, understanding, believing the Word of God. God has given us the Holy Ghost to lead us into all truth. And he'll take a simple man, somebody who don't know much, and make him as wise as, as he studies the Bible. He'll make him wise, wiser than those who went to the universities as he studies the Bible because God will teach you the truth. And the real reason that people remain ignorant is because they're just too lazy to read the Bible. Or they're addicted to their sin, and it keeps them out of their Bible. Because I'm going to tell you what I heard a long time ago. This, this book will 
will keep you out of sin, and sin will keep you out of this book. Amen? That's the truth. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant. And today we're going to look at spiritual gifts. He don't want us to be ignorant when it comes to understanding spiritual gifts. Verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles, he said, carried away under these dumb idols even as you were led. Now, when Paul says these dumb idols, Paul's not saying these idols are stupid idols, even though they were pretty stupid. That's not what he's talking about when he says they're dumb idols. He's saying they can't speak. They can't talk. They're dumb. They have nothing to say. Okay? And again, notice it says that even as you were led, your mom and daddy took you down to the pagan temple. We know that's the way it was set up. We know you didn't have a choice in the matter. You were raised in this, going up there and bowing down before an idol that can't say nothing. But see, God has spoken to us. God has spoken to us by his word. And God is able to make us wise through his word, even though, I mean, them dumb idols couldn't do nothing. They couldn't help them at all. They couldn't make them wise. They'd worship stones and statues that were unable to speak, much less make them wise or give them direction in life or help them or, or give them eternal life. They couldn't do any of that. And he said, notice this, he said, you were Gentiles. Now, there's a verse we need to remember from, from back in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. And that's the only three groups alive today in God's eyes. That's all. Only three groups of people in this world. There are Jews who have not believed on Christ. There are Gentiles who have not believed on Christ. And there's the church of God. That's it. The only three groups of people on earth. Galatians 3, 28. Again, he says it. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Again, somebody say, well, I'm a Jewish Christian. I'm a Gentile Christian. No, you're not. You're a Christian. All that don't matter. You're one in Christ now. Amen? So he said before, you worship dumb idols, you was ignorant. You didn't know any better. You just did it because that's what your mom and daddy taught you to do. But now since you've been saved and you've heard the word of God, there, there ain't a need for you to be ignorant anymore. I mean, all, that time has passed. It's time, to, it's time to know now, to learn. You know, and, and before we came to Christ, we didn't know anything, but we are in Christ now. So we're to learn him and know him and, and, and live and move in him and have our being, as Paul said to the Athenians. Uh, verse 3, he said, For well, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And Paul said, I give you to understand. I give you to understand. What am, I, what am I giving you to understand? That no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. Well, what did he give them to understand? He gave them to understand the gospel. First of all, he gave that to them to understand about Jesus. First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which, ye have all, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He gave that to them to understand, first of all, 
And Ephesians 1, 8, 1.13 says, In whom also you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, hold on a minute. In whom you trusted after that you heard. Okay? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All right? He's, so he delivered unto them. He gave them to understand the gospel. And when they heard it, they, they trusted it. He said, in whom also after that you believed, they believed that after they heard it. They trusted and they believed, and you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. But they couldn't believe it until they understood it. They heard it, and they had to understand it. So Paul delivered them this to understand. And he said, no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed or cursed. Nobody who's truly born again and filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, is ever going to say that Jesus is cursed. Because you got to understand, cursed means damned. That's what it means. Being a believer on the face of this earth that's truly saved is going to say that Jesus is damned. You know, you hear people, and I hate it. It's one of the worst things anybody can say around me. They say, I'm not going to say it, but GD, y'all know what it is. I hate that. When they're saying GD, they're literally saying that God is damned. They're not saying God's damned that. They're saying he is. And, I mean, it's horrific to say that. And a Christian will never say that. Amen? I mean, but there were Jews in that day. There had to have been Jews in that day, of course, that believed Jesus was cursed. Again, they wanted nothing to do with him. They crucified him. They stand outside Pilate's gate shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And, and again, and knowing that he had been crucified and not believing on him would lead them to believe that he was cursed. Because, again, all they knew is he was a guy that they didn't believe in, and then they crucified They nailed him to a tree. And if they rejected his resurrection, they'd say, yeah, he was cursed. <clears throat> Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us. From the curse of the law, he was made a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree." But listen, he was he was punished for our sins. He had no transgressions of his own. He was punished for our transgressions. So you had Jews who didn't see him as a Messiah, and they saw him as cursed, and they would say that he was cursed. And then you had Gentiles who were pagans, and they didn't believe. And, and, and Surely some of them thought he was cursed as well because they were trying to get him to re- they were trying to get them to reject all of their gods and believe on him. But knowing what we know as believers, that he was crucified for our sakes, there's no way we could say our blessed Savior is cursed. No way. The other half of that verse says no no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now let me just let me just say this. There are tons of people in this world who will tell you that Jesus is Lord. If we go down to the Catholic Church, they'd tell you that. They'd say Jesus is Lord. You could go to the Pentecostal Church, they'd say Jesus is Lord. Wild out charismatics would say Jesus is Lord. And the Church of Christ would say Jesus is Lord. The Mormons would probably even say Jesus is Lord. You know what's wrong with all that? They're leaving that word. 
Jesus is the Lord. Do you know that three-letter word makes all the difference in the world? Because he's not a Lord. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Did that mean he was he was her savior? No. He her Messiah? No. Was he her master? Well, he was her husband. But she called him Lord. That just meant he was her authority. Okay? And, you know, there have been all kinds of people down through history that call themselves Lord such and such, Lord this, Lord that. That just meant they were somebody in authority. But when you say he is the Lord, you're saying he has authority over everything. That ain't nobody compares to him because he is the definite article. He is the Lord. The Bible says that we are supposed to say that Jesus is the Lord. He's he's not a Lord, he's the Lord, and he's my Lord. And it says that you can only say that by the leading of the Spirit of God. Again, a lost person's not going to say he's the Lord. He's the Lord. No, they wouldn't say that. Because, again, they have to submit themselves to him in order to believe that. And it says that you can only say it by the leading of the Spirit of God. Unless you're, I guess if you were an actor in a movie and you were acting as a Christian and they gave you a script that said that owner, you could read it, but you wouldn't say it of your own volition willingly unless it were true. Because I'm going to tell you something. It, just because somebody says Jesus is Lord does not mean that they are spiritual one bit. And I'll prove it to you. Because someday, at the great white throne judgment, Satan is going to bow his knees. He's going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's going to say that he is Lord. But he ain't going to say he's the Lord. He'll confess that he's Lord. He has authority. He's in even hell. But even then, Satan ain't going to confess that he's the Lord. The angels. In heaven, know he's the Lord. The devils also know he's the Lord. But they, the, the, the devils ain't going to confess him as the Lord. Call him Lord, but they're not going to say, you are the Lord. You say, you're splitting hairs. Well, I think it makes a difference. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is not a way to heaven. He's not a truth, and he's not a life. He is the truth, the life, the way. And he is the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> now, can you say that today? Can you say today, he is the Lord of my life? Can you say that? I'm not asking. You simply say, he is the Lord in my life. Let me ask you this question. Is God satisfied with your spiritual condition? Is he satisfied with your walk with him? Are you satisfied with it? That's a good question, isn't it? That's something to ponder. How's God look at me in my spiritual walk? Let's get into. We got to hurry. We got to get through this thing. All right, let's get into the spiritual gifts. He said, "Now there's different. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Again, there's the." Not a same spirit, but the same spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of uh, that's the Spirit of Christ. That is who He is. All right. 
Now, the Holy Spirit of God is the one who divvies out these different gifts to us. And there are different types of gifts, verse 5. And there are differences of administrations. These gifts are abilities. Again, the gifts are abilities. There are differences of administrations with the same Lord. And that word administrations, if you notice right in there, after A.D., is ministration, all right? Ministry, that's where ministry comes from. That's what it means. There's various types of ministry, but the Lord's in charge of them all, amen? In ministry, what do we do? We administer the Word of God. Somebody's got a problem, we take them, just like a doctor takes and he writes a prescription for medicine to apply to the sickness. We administer the Word of God. We take the prescription of the Word of God and say, you take this and study this and put this down in your heart, it will change you. Amen? So we are to administer the Word of God. And there's different places and there's different ways to minister. Amen? There's all different kinds of ways. The Bible said that. Difference of administration. Listen, there are pastors and there are evangelists. There are missionaries. There are those who work in the jails. There are those who, who serve in nursing homes. There's all different places to minister. So, but, the, but God works in all of them. God's not, God's not uh, he, he don't just work with preachers who stand behind pulpits. Listen, God works with preachers who stand on street corners. God works all kinds of places. And he can use people who are not ordained pastors. He can use people who just have a heart for Jesus and want people to know that Christ died for sinners. He'll use anybody who will step up to the plate and say, Lord, use me. Verse 6, and there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. There's different ways that God operates. And we know that. Well, we say God works, and he works in mysterious ways. God works sometimes in, in dramatic ways. But most of the time, God works in quiet ways. He speaks in a small, still voice. And his movings are very gentle most of the time. But you know what? doesn't make no difference how he works. He's the same. Yesterday, today and forever, and he never changes. Amen. You can bank on that. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or to profit with. <clears throat> the manifestation, the Spirit when he shows up and works, the Spirit of God working in your life, bringing to pass the will of God in your life. Man, if, that, if that's happening in your life, you're blessed. I want you to know that. If you're in a place right now to where there's not sin standing between you and the Lord, or you've got your, your sins have been confessed to him, and, and you've gotten things cleared up between you and God, and, and you're in a submissive position with him, and you're following him, and you're seeking his will, and he's working in your life, and you're praying, and you're getting answers for your prayers, you're in a wonderful position. And I hope that's where you're at in your life. And if you're not, I hope you'll recognize that something's wrong and you'll come to God and say, Lord, fix what's wrong because that's the way it ought to be working. The Bible says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the Spirit of God wants to be actively working in every believer's life. And if it's not that way, something is wrong. That's how you can diagnose a problem. If the Spirit of God is not stirring and working in your life, you've got, a, you've got a power failure in there. And, you know, just like, I guarantee you, if you go home today from church and you walk in in your kitchen, turn the light on, and nothing that comes on. 
He opened the refrigerator and the lights off. And got them kind of warm in there. And he wants to live in the room. Back room. Back room. Something's wrong here. Where are you going to do? Where are you going? I know where you're going. You're going to the breaker box, aren't you? You know why? Because you diagnose where it might be. And you go and you deal with the pot. And you find that one that's tripped and you pop it back over and flip it back over and the lights come on. The refrigerator comes on. You say, hey, I fixed the problem. It's the same thing as your spiritual life. You say, hey, there's power out in this in my life. i got to go find that one love thing. You go to God and you get it right so the power's back on. Hey, Amen. That's good. I, that's simple. If you can, if you can wrap your head around that, you can come to the altar and get things fixed. Because God wants the power on in your life, so He can bring to pass the, His will in your life, and it will listen to me. And the Bible says it's given to every man to profit with all. So when the Spirit of God is working in your life, when God God's presence is manifest in your life, and and, and you feel God working in your life, guess what? Others will too. Others will recognize that too. And it will bring to pass God's will in your life, and it will be a profit and a benefit to you. You'll be blessed by having God working in your life daily. But not only you, but everybody else you come in contact with will be blessed by your presence because God is working in your presence. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, don't let that don't, don't, don't let that bother you. Because it's not saying you have to work for your salvation. It's just to work it out. If I got to... Well, Aubrey, y'all do, y'all do floor, huh? You get you get the tool in there, you can do all kinds of things. Hurry. That's the difference between trying to do things in your own fire doing things in God's fire. You when God's involved, man, things happen. Amen. And he says to work it out. In other words, you need to find out these tools that you've been given and how to use them. Amen. Yeah, it, it, what I'm trying to say is when you read the word of God, you find and hear promises from God. And once you begin to claim them, you begin to see their effects in your life. And and, 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 and they bless you. Promises of God are a blessing in your life, and they're a blessing in others' lives. And as you learn how to apply these blessings in your life and others' lives, as you learn how to allow God to use you, it becomes a blessing, amen, and you're working it out. It's like I'm, I, I, again, I guarantee the first thing, God, I'm going to give you one of those, you got that. And probably the first time you put your hand on one, you're just like, wait, how does this thing work? Okay? I remember, I remember one time I worked for uh, Austin Commercial Builders that were building the, the second, the add-on to Kimberly Clark. I was 18 years old. And they put me out there in a hole with tamper. I ain't never going to tamper in my life. What a tamper is, big old machine with a handle on it. It's got a square foot on the bottom of it. And it goes, boom, 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 boom. And you have to hold the handle. And it's bouncing like this. And it's you know, if you get hold of it wrong, you go to bouncing with it, and it'll take you all over the place. First time I ever read that time, you scared me to death. And they make you put these big old metal shoes right over your shoes, so because that thing is on your toe, you foot flat. I was nervous. Boy, here in about an hour, I had hope that thing. I was good. I had, I had to figure it out. Once you figure out how to use it, hey, praise God, you 
can do all kinds of things. That's the same way. A new Christian hasn't figured everything out yet, but as you begin to work with God and God works through you, you begin to figure out how to work out your salvation, and it becomes profitable. It's not profitable as in, hey, I'm going to make money off of people, but it's spiritually profitable. Your life gets better. The quality of your life gets better. Your marriage gets better. Your relationship with your children can get better. Even your relationship with your neighbors get better. Your relationship in your church gets better as you work out your salvation. The Bible says with fear and trembling, men, I realize that everything I have is not mine to begin with. God has given this to me. And I'm thankful for everything he's given me. So I need to walk with him and love him and, 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 and submit to him so that he continues to pour his blessings into my life. He said, for it's God which worketh in you. It ain't you, it's God. Both to will and to do it is good pleasure. So God has given you a new spirit. He's given you a new power. He's given you a new outlook, a new home, a new purpose, and he wants you to get busy working with it. Amen? Too many of us are sitting around, we're sitting around like we just pulled up at a job site. We don't even know what to do. Sitting around looking at the blumber. And ain't got an idea what to do. <coughs> God's given us all the tools, Robert. Got the job site finished, fully. Everything, plans out there. He's even got the plans laid out on the table. This is how you put it together. We just don't know what to do. Guess I'll go home. We can't build we can't build something that's gonna profit if we don't get to work. And God wants us to get busy. Because he's given us all the equipment. He's given us all. And again, those idols that they used to worship, they did nothing. They couldn't say nothing. They couldn't do nothing. And that's what he's trying to say. You've got something awesome in God. It's time to get busy. First Timothy 4, 7 and 8. But refuse profane and old wives' tales. And he said, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Exercise. Amen. Put yourself to work in it. For by, he said, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Pump and iron don't do much for you. He said, but you know what? You get busy working out with God's truth. But godliness is profitable unto all things. You, you Don't worry about building these muscles. Build your spiritual muscles, and that will help you. That will benefit you. Having promise of a life that now is and that which is to come. Verse 8. I'm almost, we're going to wrap this up in a second. For the one is given the Spirit. We're getting to the gifts. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Again, I'm not going to go real deep on these. I'm just going to touch on them because we're going to talk about these things later. For the one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom. What does that mean? This is a person that's prudent. This is a careful person, a wise person. This is an experienced person. The word of wisdom. This person has learned some things from God, and now they're able to teach and to lead younger men and younger women the inexperienced on how to on how to avoid the, the the pitfalls of the Christian life on how I thank God for these kind of people. These I've, I've been around some good men who had word of wisdom who when I first set out to live for God took me under their wing and said I'm going to teach you. I want to help you to to not to not to not fall into the traps of the devil so you don't get sidetracked. And I'm very thankful for them. I mean I had listen bless God when I first started out I was in Paris. And I was pastoring out here at Lane's Chapel. Okay? We had a girl from Paris, a friend of mine, got saved, and we were going to baptize her. She lived in Paris. Okay? And normally, she drove her Jeep to uh, Clarksville on Saturday, on Sundays and, and Wednesday nights. And we drove 
to, to Clarksville on Wednesday, Sunday night. Well, my wife was sick on Wednesday, and she said, well, you can just ride with me. Well, save yourself the gas. I, I was dumb. I just, just surrendered the ministry, didn't know nothing. I rode with her. And you know what? The former pastor, I was talking to him, and I, I mentioned that, and boy, he jumped me. Woo, he jumped me. Don't you ever put yourself in that kind of a position again. What if somebody had seen you at a gas station thought you were cheating on your wife? Boy, he, and I, 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 I wasn't doing nothing. It don't make no difference if you wasn't doing nothing. Somebody thought you were doing something. That's all it would take. You know what? He gave me some wisdom. I was, you know, again, if I wasn't willing to receive that, I could have bristled and gotten mad, all kinds of things. But I didn't. I, I took it for what it was. It was wisdom. He was trying to help me, so I didn't put myself in a bad position later on. You need that. Amen. And God will give people wisdom to help other people. Number second thing on this, he said to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. This this is somebody who has a wide range of knowledge and familiarity with the Word of God. And this person probably isn't going to be as patient as the first one, the one with wisdom. That one with wisdom, the word of wisdom, he'll, he'll say it to you in a manner that, that's, that's easier to receive than a lot of times than the one with the word of knowledge because he's just going to try to tell you what he knows. Amen? He, he may not be as patient, but I'm going to tell you this, he'll tell you the Word of God. So you got the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And then the Bible says in verse 9, to another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So to another faith by the same Spirit, Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but listen to this, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You don't grow your faith. God increases your faith. God is the one who gives you faith. You don't gain faith. You, you, again, you're, you, you don't seed your faith. All that nonsense and charismatic. You send in such such money, seed faith offering, and it'll grow out of that. Don't listen to them charlatans. Don't send your money to them charlatans. They out take all your money from you. No, God is the one who increases our faith. And the more you walk by the faith that you have right now, the more God will increase your faith. Again, you, God gives us enough light to walk in, but when God says that we trust him, God God will begin to give us a little more light because he, he sees that we have we, we can be trusted. And, and and he does that. He responds to our faith. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Let me read that, and let's pay close attention to that. I know you know this verse because it says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, which saints are supposed to do, for the edifying of the building up of the body of Christ, which is the way it's supposed to happen. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, our faith gets grow stronger and stronger. And God wants us all to grow in faith and grow strong in faith that we henceforward, listen, that we from this point on be no more children. You remember he talked to them? He said, y'all are like babies in Christ. You're babes in Christ. You're carnal. You walk as men. He says, he says that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're not children anymore. Tossed to and fro. 
children, listen, you can, you, you can sway a child's mind pretty easy. A child, well, I mean, a child who hasn't been out in the world, hasn't grown up, and, and hasn't, hasn't become knowledgeable, thing, you can tell them just about anything, and if they don't know any better, they'll believe you. And that's what he means here. Don't just believe everything anybody says. Don't just accept it. You've got to, you got to, you have something to go by. You have something to check it by. We're to be fact checkers, and this is the only place to check the facts, right here. Amen? He said that we shouldn't be children tossed to and fro. Our faith should grow and carried about with every wind of doctrine and a slight of men with, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. you got people, some people say, well, why are they so many denominations? It's because a lot of people didn't want this. So they changed it little by little to, to have their own version of this. And, and believe you me, there are plenty of people out there who's got their own little pet doctrine, and if you sit there with them long enough, they'll try to convince you that they, their doctrine is true and get you all messed up. And that's what God's warning us about. And he said, listen, the gift of faith, we need that. Amen. I want, I want God to increase my faith. I ain't got time to read all that scripture, but I, I'm going to jump on verse 10. I want God to increase my faith. Amen. I want to grow. I want to get stronger as a believer. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And the inter- another, the interpretation of tongues. Now. It says, to another, the working of miracles. God sent Moses to Pharaoh to tell him, let my people go. And he sent him with two signs. Okay? First one he said, put your hand inside your coat, pull it out, white as snow, leprous. Put it back in, pull it back out, it's whole. That was was the first one. And that's what was the second one? He took his rod... Remember the magicians? They threw theirs down. They became serpents. And Moses, Moses, rod, the serpent swallowed up theirs. All right, but that didn't, that wasn't good enough. So it took ten more wondrous miracles and pl- or plagues, signs and wonders, whatever you want to call them. It took ten more before he let them go. So, you know, after seeing all of those things, miracles, signs, and wonders became pretty important to Israel, okay? All out in the desert, you know, you got your mantle from heaven, you got water from a rock, you got the parting of the Red Sea, you got the clouds, you got all that. Signs was a big deal to Israel. However, when the gospel came to the Gentiles, they weren't about signs. They wanted to know what the truth was. They were about wisdom. They were a society built on logic and wisdom. And so those apostolic gifts were no longer needed in order for people to be saved, and so they were phased out. I'll give you some examples real quick. I know you all ready to go to the house, but just give me a few more minutes. Mark 16, 17, and 18. Y'all know, some of you know where I'm at. And these signs shall follow them which believe. They believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Okay? Now, understand something. This is in Mark 16. This is during the time that the church was primarily in Jerusalem. 
So it's only made up out of Jews, right? So you've got, again, people who are all about signs and wonders. Y'all ever heard of snake-handling churches? Church of Jesus with signs following? They're mostly up in northern Arkansas and Kentucky and, and, and West Virginia and places like that. But there was a TV show on a number of years ago, and it followed one of those churches. And it followed the pastor and his son. And, and uh, I watched an episode. They had come down out of North Arkansas or somewhere, and they were coming down 8, uh, 30, and they stopped over at Cavender's right there off Richmond Road, Texas County. They shopping at Cavender's, and they was filming them in there, and they were talking about where they were going and what they did and the snake handling and all this stuff. And about two episodes after that, they had to end the show. Because preacher got bit by a big old rattlesnake and he died. Now, that's a shame that he died. But shame is that he didn't have enough discernment to understand that signs and wonders are for the Jews, not the hillbillies in the mountains of Appalachia. Amen? That ain't who the signs and wonders for. Amen? And as I mentioned before, 1 Corinthians one twenty two plainly reminds us for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. In the beginning of his ministry, you remember, the Apostle Paul, they come to him, people are sick, and he was working, take handkerchiefs and give them handkerchiefs, I'm assuming coated in his sweat. I don't know if they say that, but I assume that's what it was. And, they, and this is from Paul, and he was taking them people, and when they took them handkerchiefs, they were healed. So Paul had apostolic power. Okay? That, that, that's apostolic power. But again, Toward the end of his ministry, 2 Timothy 4.20, he writes about how he left Trophimus sick at Miletum, so he couldn't heal Trophimus. So something happened there. Again, you remember he talking about he couldn't, he had a problem with his eyes. He said, see the large letter that I've written in in my own hand? Why couldn't he, you know, I mean, Jesus made mud and put in people's eyes and it healed them. Why couldn't he do the same thing? He said, I've started power. Evidently, this, it phased out as the need phased out. Okay? Verse 11, and we're done. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's not us. It's God's power. Idols couldn't speak. Idols can't speak. They never will. And they sure can't act. They can't do anything. But God sent his only begotten son, born of a virgin's womb, the Lamb of God without spot or stain, to be the sin, uh, to, 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 to be the, the punishment for my, take the punishment for my sins, to be slain for my sin. To be punished for me. And that's what worketh in me. Amen. He's the one that worketh in me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And if you've never believed on Jesus as your Savior, come this morning and let me show you how to have everlasting life in Jesus. Because I'll do that. Come and repent for him. Be Lord. If you've got things in your life that don't belong there, come to Jesus and repent. Come to God and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need to submit to you and let you work in my life because I know you're real and I know you've got a plan for me. I know you want to do something with my life. Come and let God do something.
If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord today, come and do business with God. We're going to have an invitation. Sister, I want you to come on. We're going to turn to 162. I want you to stand with me and our heads down and our eyes closed. We're going to talk to the God, talk to God in prayer, and then we're going to have an Thank you. 
Oh, 